ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Jason Fitz hanging out with you. We are on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus. It is no longer Jason Fitz's forehead. If you're interested in tuning in and watching us on ESPN Plus, we are presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at Jason Fitz, at Amber W790. You can also join the conversation. And man, has the Canty call in line been lit today? That is 1 888 say ESPN, 729. 3776. We appreciate everybody who has chimed in throughout today's show. The NBA is on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as Luca and the Mavs host the Lakers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. So let's talk about those Los Angeles Lakers because, Jason, it doesn't look like LeBron is going to be playing tonight. Anthony Davis is also listed as questionable. That's actually good news for Lakers fans in terms of AD. Bad news in terms of LeBron. We know LeBron did not practice. He rolled his ankle in their last game. Reportedly, it's very swollen. If you're 37 years old and you've got the boo-boo ankle, I know all about the boo-boo ankle. Jason, if you've got the boo-boo ankle. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Is there a story there? Do we have a boo-boo ankle? Well, I rolled my ankle, and then I tore four ligaments. This was like a year ago, and and it really hurt. And I'm in my late 30s, and I'm telling you, it ain't a good time, Bron. I mean, I'm guessing me and LeBron are like a little different in terms of how in shape we are and how in tune with our bodies and stuff. Nevertheless, it's going to hurt if you're LeBron James even. So maybe you put the foot up. You give it a little extra rest, and you just enjoy your summer because there's really no purpose. We discussed this earlier in the show of trying to play through injury at this point in the season if you're LeBron James when you don't have enough help. And even if AD comes back, you're probably not getting anything done in the postseason. Russell Westbrook isn't going to suddenly be fixed. Your supporting cast isn't going to suddenly be fixed. And I honestly don't know what AD is going to look like when he comes back because we haven't seen him since mid-February. And so that leads to a discussion about what the Lakers do here in the offseason, Jason Fitz. But I'm telling you, step number one, shut down LeBron. Yeah, I don't disagree. And by the way, kudos to you. I mean, you, you tore a bunch of stuff in your ankles and her ankle instead of boo boo ankle. Like I, I get a hangnail and I'm like asking social media for thoughts and prayers. So I don't know how you manage <laughs> that. But uh, when when it comes to this year for the Lakers and then moving into the off season, you got to look at, at the the failure and the why. And I do mean the failure because the expectations were too high for us to accept any sort of result with a yeah, but like you can't put an asterisk on what was expected of this duo for the Lakers. This wasn't just supposed to be a great team. This was supposed to be that moment where LeBron handed the baton to AD and AD became the next land uh, the, the next franchise person that you could say hey we're building around him like that was supposed to be what happened over the course of these few years that hasn't happened at all and and look at the remaining schedule so if you're the Lakers yes you have the Mavs tonight but then you have the Jazz the Pelicans the Nuggets the Suns the Warriors the Nuggets again like I'm looking at all those games saying Vegas is going to make the Lakers the underdog in all of those even with a healthy LeBron so what what are you playing for? So right now, I'm shutting LeBron down because I need whatever I can get from LeBron in the future. And then I need to have a real and serious conversation about Anthony Davis because as, as much as we all wanted Anthony Davis to be the superstar that could be that guy, he isn't. 
And so what? Now what? So now you're you're here and you're saying, I got an old LeBron and I need to get other superstars around him. AD's not reliable health-wise and hasn't been able to get us over the hump in this process. Like, I don't think there's anything there for the Lakers. I don't think there's anything there either, in part because of that schedule that you mentioned, in part because they just need too much night in and night out from LeBron, and now he is playing through pain. So that seems to be problematic, and that's been the real shift here with LeBron's career. LeBron is still playing at an unbelievable clip, Fitz. I mean, he is incredible at 37 years old, but where you see the aging is this, is the, durabil- is the durability. When he was younger, that man was never injured. That man never missed a game if he didn't want to. And now he's injured all the time, it feels like. And of course he is. He's 37, and he has to go out there and put up 40 points a night in order for his team to win games. And so obviously that's going to break down his body at this point, and I just don't think it's worth it for LeBron. It's not even that I think the Lakers should shut LeBron down. It's that I think LeBron should shut LeBron down. Because, listen, the Lakers aren't going to do anything that LeBron doesn't want them to do. And I know that with the scoring title on the line, LeBron may not want them to do this. But in terms of the postseason, it's the scoring title or bust if you're LeBron James because it ain't the postseason. Even if you get yourself into a play-in scenario, which they're looking at right now, you're looking at a two-game play-in scenario. And that's after, like you mentioned, coming off of a very tough schedule here down the stretch, playing through injury. Then you go into a do-or-die two-game play-in scenario. And then you're trying to make a seven-game series. And all of that just sounds like a monumental task for a bad Lakers team. At some point, too, you know, teams always have to find this balance between short term and long term. And the the Lakers are in a very strange situation now. For anybody that really loves investing, right? Like you have short term gains and short term losses, and they can offset each other. And they have long term gains and long term losses, and they can offset each other, but they can't commingle. So like one can't help with the other in any way, shape, or form. And that's where I feel like the Lakers are right now. A lot of times you're looking at it saying, "Hey, I'll take a short term." gain for a long-term loss NFL teams are doing that right now and we don't know what the consequence will be or I'll take a short-term loss for a long-term gain that makes sense for the Lakers right now there is such a there's two such different paths that none of it's worth it so why take any sort of short-term loss of LeBron uh, right now that could hurt you in the long term because they're such completely different paths. Like you reach a spot when you as an organization have to decide what you care about. Is it championships? Is it playoffs? Is it relevance? For the Lakers, it's been championships for a very long time. For the Lakers right now, they're just screaming towards this clouds that, hey, at least we're still relevant. That's not good enough. So they're going to have to step back, rip it all apart and build towards something that gets them back to what what guides that franchise. This isn't Oklahoma City where you're just trying to make sure that people still talk about you. This is the Lakers, and with that comes championship expectations. Knowing they're nowhere near that, shut everything down, blow everything up, and start over. Well, and with LeBron comes championship expectations, and LeBron has championship expectations, and it's interesting – sort of the trajectory of things when you have LeBron James on your team. And I know Brian Windhorst has spoken about this recently, about the fourth year effect of LeBron, which is where we're at with his career with the Los Angeles Lakers, where kind of we get to that point and everyone's tired and your franchise is decimated of future picks because you've mortgaged your future to try to win now because LeBron James is on your team. And that's sort of the place that the Lakers find themselves in. And then often you're in a position where maybe you're not winning at the rate that you thought you'd be winning in 
guys are just spent and worn out. And I want to win horse had referenced in his four-year tenure with the Heat and three guys retired at the end of LeBron's final season with the Miami Heat. It's just pure exhaustion. And that's kind of what it feels like here with the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, they got a championship out of LeBron's time so far with the Lakers. But I wonder where they go from here. And there's not many places for them to go because unlike those other stops with the LeBron effect after four years, unlike Cleveland, where he was signing all the one-and-ones, he didn't sign a one-and-one with this team. He signed a long-term deal with this team, and he still got a year left on that deal after this season. And so if you're LeBron, you put yourself in a situation where maybe you're not as in, in as much control as you're used to being in. And because of that, you are either in a position where you're going to have to force a trade for yourself to greener pastures or you're going to try to have to get your team to build around you once again by bringing in bonafide stars but how are you going to get the bonafide superstar at this point for Anthony Davis when everybody knows about Anthony Davis's injury woes or how are you going to move the Russell Westbrook contract when everybody knows how ugly it is yeah that's the control is such a big part of this like wherever the Lakers are today and where the Lakers are because of LeBron and and for their successes I give them all the credit for the failures in this roster construction and some of the things that were coming around uh, coming out around the trade deadline uh, we all know who the real GM is I mean they're doing what LeBron wants him to do so you can't take all the credit and then not take any of the blame where they are now the Lakers organizationally are going to have to decide are we willing to continue to go down LeBron's path is LeBron's path the path the best for the Lakers and that's going to be a question that they will have to answer with so much certainty because if for any reason they decide they're going to part ways, they better have a plan for what's coming next. Again, just like LeBron can't afford a relevance, the Lakers brand can't either. Again, the Lakers, they take on the Mavs tonight. 7.30 p.m. tip-off. LeBron has now been officially ruled out for that game, so we do have a status update there. Coming up, with no LeBron, how do the Lakers get back on track tonight versus the Mavs? We'll discuss that next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. The NBA is on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Mavs host the Lakers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Tim Legler is on the call tonight for that Lakers-Mavs matchup. Let's bring him into the show, the ESPN's NBA analyst. And Legs, LeBron is out tonight. AD is officially out tonight. Both of those guys were listed as questionable earlier what do the Lakers need to do in this matchup try to, to try to win this one without their two biggest superstars? My goodness, listen, it, it is the NBA, so you never know. I mean, there was a game earlier this year, I think, when Utah sat all five starters or were injured, and they were playing the Phoenix Suns, who were fully healthy, and you're thinking, all right, this has blowout written all over it, and the game comes down to the last possession. You just never know in the NBA. It's going to be difficult, obviously, because LeBron James – for all intents and purposes, is their point guard. He's the guy that creates all the action. He's on an unprecedented scoring run uh, for a guy his age, what he's been doing over the last six weeks or so. So it's tough. So really, this is the kind of game it's going to come down to defensive execution if you want to stay in the game. And, and Luka Doncic is a guy that's very difficult to stop. It's hard to get him off his game and to speed him up. But that's where it's going to start. You're going to have to come up with something very effective on him so that he is not beating you both ways as a scorer and a playmaker. So, look, they're going to get guys to step up. Malik Monk will get more opportunities. Uh, you know, some, some guys are going to get opportunities off the bench to play starters-type minutes that they haven't gotten all season. So you're just asking for next man up. It's going to be difficult, though, to make no mistake, because Dallas is playing great basketball right now. 
Yeah, well, and stick there for a second, Legs, because I feel like we've talked a lot about the Suns and the Grizzlies and the Warriors throughout the course of the year. The Mavs sitting in the fourth seed. How good are they compared to the rest of the West? Yeah, they're, they're amazing what they have transformed themselves into defensively. This was a team that a year ago was one of the most poorest defensive teams in the league, and they've come in, and not only from last year to this year, but literally from midseason to now. This team at one point was two games under 500 at almost the midway point of the season. And you look at what they've gone, 31 and 12 in their last 43 games. And it's mainly because of that, and it's also because they've added a, another primary scoring ball handler in Spencer Dinwiddie. It's exactly what this team needed. Kristaps Porzingis was a really good player. Kristaps Porzingis was hurt often, and he wasn't a guy you can run your offense through uh, consistently if Luka Doncic was out of the game. They now have that. They have that other guy, and it's it's totally transformed the way you have to defend them. They've got more versatility in their offense. They're more explosive. But really, I think the primary focus has been the effort defensively and getting some of their top guys to buy in to the commitment level on that end. They're legit, and they're sleepy, a sleeper right now because you, no one's talking about them at all. And here they are, potential to be the third seed in the Western Conference. It's amazing because we're talking about Golden State constantly. We're talking about Memphis, what a great story they've been. Obviously, Phoenix gets a lot of attention. We never stop talking about the Lakers. So when you add all that up, Dallas is just kind of flying under the radar as this team that's the hottest, really, in the Western Conference coming into this spot with one of the best players in the NBA. So they're in a really, really good spot. ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler joining Amber Wilson and Jason Fitz here on ESPN Radio. So you said there that we're overlooking the Mavs, that we never stop talking about the Lakers. But let me go ahead and ask you another Lakers question here, Tim, because is sure. there a point where we're going to see LeBron shut himself down or the Lakers shut LeBron down as we approach the end of the regular season? I would have said absolutely not if you asked me that question a week ago. I, I'm starting to wonder now as you get to this point. Uh, Anthony Davis had one practice under his belt, but apparently still felt some things. So I don't expect to see him maybe at all this year. If that's the case, is LeBron James going to be out there playing on you know one and a half legs with this ankle that's swollen and stiff and, and trying to just drag this thing across the finish line? And the reward being, can you get into a 10 seed play on the road, potentially get eliminated after one game, or if you somehow win that game, you still have to win another game to get into the postseason. And then your reward for that is you get the Phoenix Suns. So when you add all that up, I'm not saying they would lay down. I'm just saying that it's a different approach when you've had this kind of a disastrous type of year from an injury standpoint, from a chemistry standpoint. Um, this is not the kind of situation where now you're going to find guys out there playing on one leg, gutting it out, trying to drag themselves into a play. And so I'm starting to wonder, and particularly tonight, they lose tonight, they're in the 11th spot. They're out officially because they lose the tiebreaker to San Antonio. You start to wonder, do they take that approach that it's just not going to be worth it to try to force this here in the last seven games? Legs, when you talk about injuries, Paul George coming back tonight hasn't played since December 22nd. So what should we expect from him? Yeah, look, you know, he's a guy that's going to get back just in time to find some rhythm down the stretch and, and hopefully get his legs in wind and conditioning. He'll be on a minute's restriction, and he's got about seven, eight games to get through that, and then you get into the postseason where he'll be untethered. And, you know, you're talking about adding one of the most dynamic offensive players in the league and also a guy that's an all-league defender. I mean, that's no small thing to add to the mix at this time of the year. So that's, that's a big, big deal, but look, the top is loaded. It's going to be very difficult for, I think, any team to pull off an upset 
that doesn't have home court advantage in the first round. I just think the top teams are that good when you look, especially Memphis and Phoenix, but even Golden State. I'm not, people are writing them off right now. I think you get Steph Curry back and he's got the freshest legs of any star going into the postseason along with Kyrie. And you get Draymond Green back finally finding rhythm. Klay Thompson has actually found his rhythm now. That's a team you can't sleep on. And then you got Dallas playing great basketball as the three spot. I think it's going to be tough for any team in those lower seeds to get out of the first round. You're not going to see upsets, I don't think, in the Western Conference. So, look, it's great for Paul George to get back, but the, the, the uphill climb and who you have to play is going to be very difficult. Tim Legler joining us here on ESPN Radio. Let's turn our attention to the Eastern Conference for a minute. The Philadelphia 76ers have been trending the wrong direction, even though they're sitting at second in the East. What is going on right now with James Harden? Well, it's it's look, I watch him and I see a guy that's that's lost a little bit of his explosiveness. And I don't know if that's age, injury, both. Um, he is just not a guy that initially beats his that defender that's in front of him the way he did repeatedly in Houston. Um, maybe the usage rate got to him because he has a hard time now beating that guy. His step back three is not as reliable. So when you talk about a guy that doesn't really have a mid-range game, it's everything's either three or floaters at the rim or free throws. That's his game. Right now, he can't beat that initial defender to get off a decent shot in the paint, particularly against the better teams. I mean, you look at how poorly he played against Brooklyn. Uh, he sat twice against the Heat. He did not play well against Phoenix the other night. So when they, Chicago, when they've played the better teams, he has really struggled. And I think right now there's some serious concern in Philadelphia that they have a version of James Harden that is not what they expected and it may be not good enough to get them, depending on the matchup, even out of the first round, depending on how this plays out. I mean, you have four teams that could be the number one seed. If they end up in a four spot, they could be in trouble uh, pretty quickly. And what a disappointment that would be. But I think it really centers around James Harden. He does not look like the same player that he was in Houston. I think he's lost a little bit physically and that has made it very difficult for him to be efficient. Maybe he wasn't milking that hammy all this time when I was accusing him of that. Uh, Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Tim. Anytime. My pleasure. You got it. Coming up next, we'll hear from Roger Goodell on possible discipline for Deshaun Watson, overtime changes, and the expanded Rooney rule. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Jason Fitz hanging out with you. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and plenty more. Visit Progressive.com. I see Jason Fitz giving us a little shimmy shimmy in the ESPN Plus screen. I also saw you right before we went on air, and it appears that you're drinking a milkshake. I am not drinking a milkshake. No, I am. I am super healthy right now. I am drinking coffee. Uh, but if you uh, if you go to uh, Dunkin', they have this cold foam that they put on top of the coffee. You know, oh, well they sell it. Coffee. They they sell it uh, in in cans. So like it's it's like fifteen calories for a little bit of it. So you just put a little bit of that on there instead of putting any cream in the uh, coffee. So it's just iced black coffee with a little. Zip, zip, zip. Okay, top. well, there you go. It's because I saw the milk mustache. So I had assumed vanilla milkshake, but apparently it was just some coffee foam. Uh, I got distracted. I apologize again. Oh, and Jason Fitz is doing it again. You can tune in on ESPN <laughs> Plus and watch Jason Fitz in all of his glory. It has been a glorious show yeah, for Jason yeah, Fitz yeah. on ESPN Plus. 
Also, uh, glorious, we got Roger Goodell at the owners' meeting speaking. Of course, the NFL <laughs> owners were meeting in Palm Beach. And Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, he did speak at the owners' meeting. He addressed a multitude of subjects. Let's start with Roger Goodell's comments on whether Deshaun Watson is going to go on the commissioner's exempt list. I think we were very clear over the last year that um, the, the civil cases were in play over the last year also. Uh, the only thing that's changed is the criminal element um, it has been at least resolved. Um, and, and that was an important element in the context of the commissioner exempt that we've discussed with our Players Association. So that was an important, if, if the criminal had proceeded, that would more likely have triggered a commissioner exempt. I think at this point, a civil case in and of itself would not do that. If there's a violation of the personal conduct policy, that may trigger something. But it, that would more likely trigger some kind of sus- discipline in some fashion. Uh, he almost said the word suspension. That was key to me there, Jason Fitz, because that's what this is going to come down to with Deshaun Watson. Was there a violation of the personal conduct policy? The NFL will determine that after it finishes its investigation. It didn't finish its investigation over the last year because there was pending criminal matters against Deshaun Watson, and they never get in the way of a criminal investigation, so they never bothered to even speak to Deshaun Watson, but that's typical when he's being investigated uh, criminally, and he was by, at one point, the FBI as well, but by the Houston PD, and we know about those 10 criminal complaints that were filed against him, and he got the 10 no bills. So now we're at a place where the NFL can conclude its investigation I would have been more interested to hear when that's going to happen from Roger Goodell, because at this point, the commissioner's exemplus to me doesn't feel like a possibility. If they didn't put Deshaun on it last season, then they're not going to put Deshaun Watson on the commissioner's exempt list now, like the commissioner said. What they're going to do, though, at some point here is wrap up their investigation and tell us whether they're issuing any discipline. And that's what we're all waiting for. Yeah, but there is also a part for me where he said in there that the civil cases would not necessarily trigger that by themselves, and that there's precedent for that. I mean, I, I'm i a little stunned to hear that because, as we all know, Ben Roethlisberger and Ezekiel Elliott are two players that have been suspend, suspended without criminal charges being brought, right? So, like, No, but he – I mean, not not to jump jump in and correct yeah, you here, do. but, but it, what he's talking about is the commissioner's exempt list itself is where you put the player on it and the player is still being typically, then you're putting the player on it during the pendency of like a criminal investigation. So had Deshaun Watson been charged by the grand jury in any of those 10 criminal complaints, he would have immediately gone on the commissioner's exemplus. That's how they would have handled it until they figured out whether he was going to actually be convicted of a crime. Once that doesn't happen, they don't need to enact the commissioner's exemplus. Now they can just try to institute some sort of discipline if, in fact, he violated the personal conduct policy, that's what happened in the situation of Ben Roethlisberger. Once he was not going to be charged by the prosecutor in that case, and he didn't go in front of a grand jury there, but the prosecutor decided not to bring charges against Ben Roethlisberger. Once that announcement was made, it was a week later that the NFL handed down its six-game suspension that ends up getting reduced to a four-game suspension in terms of Big Ben all the way back when. So that's what it is. So Some people thought because of that, because of how it went with Ben Roethlisberger and how it's gone in the past, that once we got an answer criminally here, that we'd immediately get an answer from the NFL because normally it's not a very long delay. The problem here is that there's a lot of moving parts, I would imagine, in this investigation because there's so many accusers. So there's that portion of this. And then there was that 10th criminal complaint that we just that we just learned about. That was just last week that that grand jury in a different county got to consider that complaint. So I'm just guessing that kind of pushed back the timeline 
But that's why, from my perspective, I would have been more interested to hear from the commissioner, what is that timeline with the NFL investigation? Not that we necessarily would have gotten an answer, but I'm more curious about that because, like the commissioner said, the commissioner's exempt list is more when a player is being charged criminally and you're waiting to see if he's going to be convicted. It's not for civil matters here, so that's not going to happen unless there's other charges eventually brought against Deshaun Watson. That doesn't seem particularly likely but I guess I was curious though with as many civil like I understand what you're saying and and you've done a beautiful job of explaining it and I did twist it a little bit in my mind I still think when you're talking about this many civil cases like it's an interesting thing to think that it's not even on the list while they're going through their investigative process I mean uh, the other side of it is to your point you know we, we had Jeff Darlington on Spain and Fitz last week and I think he said that 10 uh, 10 or 11 victims or accusers I should say in this situation have been spoken to by the league according to sources and reports that's 10 or 11 out of 22 plus you have all the people that weren't involved in actual suits that have been speaking to different news outlets right so like there are so many people to get through in this process I think the important thing here is not that the league make a fast decision it's that it make a very thorough decision and that they be incredibly transparent in their process about how they've managed to reach people who they've talked to and why they came to the conclusions that they came to even protecting anonymity they can do that within the context of saying we talk to all of the accusers or we talk to all of these people involved I think that's the most important thing from the NFL whenever they reach the decision this is going to be I use this analogy a lot right now but this is going to be like high school when they they turn in a math test and you say here's my answer I don't need your answer I need to see your work I need to see everything that you did to get to the answer that you have that's the most important thing that the NFL still has to do and and I uh, presumably that will come at some point and you're right there's a lot of people that they have to speak to including Deshaun Watson I'm not sure the investigators have had the opportunity to do that. The NFL investigators I'm talking about. So that will come as well. If you put everybody in the league, though, on a commissioner's exempt list who had a civil case pending against them, first of all, these guys would be on the commissioner's exempt list for years and years and years because the reality is that when you have 22 pending civil actions against you, if nobody settles, this thing's going on for years and years and years. That's how civil cases work. But then also, frankly, you'd have every every guy in the NFL practically on the commissioner's exempt list because – uh, you know, rich people get sued and there's, a, and a, you know, not saying that it's all these similar allegations by any means, but there's tons of civil actions against all sorts of players in the NFL sure. for a whole variety of things. So that's the problem, of course, that the NFL would run into there. Let's move on quickly to another subject because uh, the lawyer and me will get super bogged down on all the Deshaun Watson stuff because I'm such a legal nerd. But let's move on to the overtime rules stuff, which is where we've gotten a little bogged down on today's show. People love this subject, love it or hate it for better or for worse, a lot of people hate the overtime change that we heard is coming where both teams in the postseason will have an opportunity to possess the ball each, uh, obviating that problem that we saw in that Chiefs-Bills game. Here is Roger Goodell on those changes. Well, games in, in the postseason have been in overtime, uh, seven of which I believe uh, were won on the first uh, possession. That when you see that, that's the type of thing that I think our coaches never looked at. This is an issue in the postseason we should deal with. Uh, I think they like the, the overtime rule in the regular season. I don't necessarily mean, believe that just because we're doing it in the postseason, that'll lead to the, in the, post, uh, in the regular season. We've spent a lot of time on that topic today. Uh, that's the comment, though, from the commissioner of the NFL. As it pertains specifically to the postseason, that's where they felt like they needed to fix the issue. 
So they've attempted to fix it. They've also attempted to fix another issue here as well, Jason, with the Rooney rule. They are requiring now that you hire an offensive assistant here, a minority uh, or a woman at that position. It's going to be a new position that they're creating on the offensive side of the ball because that's what leads to most head coaching positions eventually. Here's Roger Goodell on that rule change. Jason, I'm not sure I would connect it necessarily to the Rooney rule. I think the offensive assistance is a recognition of the fact that we don't have um, the type of offense, the number of offensive coordinators that are people of color. And we think that's where most of the head coaches, at least the recent years, have been a trend on the offensive side of the ball. And this gives us an opportunity to develop some people in that area. That's interesting. So he's not equating it or relating it to the Rooney rule because we keep talking about it on air like it's an expansion of the Rooney rule because that's essentially what it feels like it is, Jason. But the commissioner just said it's not necessarily related. It's a whole new separate thing. Uh, Well, you with somebody with such legal prowess in your background would understand that I think he's just speaking around that a little bit because it's been pretty clear that it was voted on as an an addendum to the Rooney rule. So he can try and parse words however he wants on this, but it's still is what it is. I, I, I will say through all of this that I will still maintain that the league could come up with other systems to to better train and help people become part of the pipeline. And I'll steal this from Dominique Foxworth. If the, we're long overdue from having a combine for coaches where owners can actually come in and see how coaches would handle different situations. And we could see coaches in different meaningful opportunities where how would they handle a two-minute drill? How do they handle this with player personnel? Like if the league really cared about getting better prospects, they could better train internally without forcing this sort of an issue on a team coming up next when one best man takes mr steal your girl to a whole another level we will explain next this is espn radio espn radio Five-time Masters champion Tiger Woods, Jason Fitz, who is trying to come back from, of course, a serious leg and foot injuries that he suffered in a car wreck just 14 months ago, played all 18 at Augusta National on Tuesday, according to sources who told ESPN. He played all 18 with his son, Charlie. And uh, PGA Tour uh, just, pro Justin uh, Thomas as well, who, of course, is a very close friend of Woods. They arrived in a Gulfstream private jet. Must be nice. Mm-hmm. And it looks like preparation for Tiger Woods to play at the Masters. We know the Masters starts April 7th, so we are not far away. I don't know how else to explain this move from Tiger other than him seeing if he has the tenacity to get through 18 at Augusta. Which is great for Tiger in the recovery and the human being in me loves the story of Tiger being able to go out there and play and having gotten through this accident. And it's all fantastic. But Tiger's the Lakers here. Like we're we're talking about Tiger when he's not really going to have an impact in the Masters. Like, you know, he, he, he might make the cut. He's going to make the play in tournament and that'll be cool. And that'll be really good for ratings, but he's not going to win the Masters. But, so if we could just make it a human story, I'm all in on it. If we're making it a can Tiger win the Masters story? I'm all out. Why are you crushing a good story? I feel like Jason (laughs) Fitz is just crushing a feel-good story here. Tiger, he comes back. 
He does the improbable. This Last weekend, we got the video that's since been deleted, of course, because that's the move. You post something on social and then you delete it, of him playing at Medalist Golf Club in Hobie Sound with his caddy, and he looked good, and then he deletes it, and now he's in Augusta on a PJ, and we're tracking jets, and we're seeing what Tiger's up to with his son, and he's seeing if he can get through all 18, and he is listed among the expected 91 participants for next week's Masters. Tiger Woods is not one who needs to, you know, get the opportunity to go to play Augusta. Like, he's Tiger Woods. He can go play Augusta whenever he wants. He, he, he ain't like, like the rest of us, Jason. So it's not a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Tiger Woods. The timing of this is very calculated. It feels like, to me, he's saying if he – see, he's seeing if he has enough to go out there and play all 18. Well, and, and you're right. Like, usually, this isn't me. Over the last few days, I've just been sort of Debbie Downer on all of the uh, all of the feel-good stories. I'm like, eh, Duke, North blah, Carolina, blah, blah. Eh, Tiger at the Masters. Eh, like, I just don't want to see Fat Michael Jordan. Like, we all remember Skinny Michael Jordan, but I remember Fat Michael Jordan with the Wizards. I don't want to see that with Tiger. I like, I like the memory of Tiger and Dominant. So, I love the story. I just don't want us to make it into something it's not. I mean, it's not quite the same as somebody gaining weight or getting older, though. You're talking That's about right. a, a serious Lesser wreck that person. happened in 2021 on February 23rd. It would be the most remarkable story yet in a remarkable career. ESPN Radio. Taking it down the stretch here on ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Jason Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters, presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. It has been an action-packed show today. Shout out to Diana Rossini, ESPN's NFL reporter, for joining us earlier, talking a lot about the owners' meetings that wrapped up in Palm Beach, Florida. Chris Finch, of course, the head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves, he joined us. He talked about his fun, exciting young team making some noise in the Western Conference as they head into the playoffs. Tim Legler also joined us, ESPN's NBA analyst, to break down all things Lakers, Mavs, and everything else in the NBA. And now... It is time to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Worst. Sometimes it's the best. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. Mo Salah, Jason Fitz, who is one of the best soccer players in the world. He had so many lasers pointed at his face before missing a crucial Egypt penalty kick that cost his team qualifying for the World Cup. This video is circulating on social media. It is the most disturbing thing. I mean, it, it is really bad. They're playing it right now on ESPN+. Plus. There are lasers, dozens and dozens of lasers pointed at this man who, of course, is trying to kick a soccer ball. I did read that this sort of laser usage was going on the entire game. And it's just sort of unfathomable to me because not only are the stakes so high, so I don't understand how they're allowing this, but you can blind somebody by pointing a laser at them. So, you know, there's that portion of this, Jason Fitz. That's the part that that stunned me. I mean, where is that acceptable? And maybe, you know, I'm showing my own cultural ignorance because certainly in any stadium or arena here, you get kicked out right away. Just the thought that it wasn't, to your point, anyone – 
that, that doesn't see it on Plus, go find it on Twitter or anywhere on social media right now. It's not one or two. It, ju- it It's a flood of lasers coming at somebody's face while they're making the kick, which also seems wildly unfair. Like, how did anybody there not st- stop and say, okay, we're just going to redo that? Like, I can't imagine that that's an allowable thing. It's amazing that we're talking about the fairness of the NFL overtime rule and that this is what others are dealing with throughout sports internationally. It really is something because the theme of today's show with the change in the overtime rule in the NFL has been that people crave fairness, right? And and a lot of the callers who called in who were offering solutions, they wanted to see entire quarters played out after the game right. didn't end in the four quarters in regulation because they want real, true fairness. It's amazing that that's the approach, though, that we take. And then this also exists in the name of competition. And and like you, I don't know if this is an American thing. I mean, do, I, do you and I sound very American right now? I don't, I don't know, <laughs> because this is amazing to me that this is allowed. But one of the reasons that we don't allow it at our sporting competitions, again, isn't just because it harms the competitive nature of the event, of course. How could it not? But then also, the, there's actual danger here. I mean, you could actually cost Mo Salah his his career and then also you know his whole ability to, to see throughout the rest of his life as well it just seems seems unbelievable to me go go check out the video and find it if you haven't done so already this also seems unbelievable to me by the way a best man 